0: From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. This weekend, we mark 20 years since the devastating September 11th attacks on New York and Washington, D.C. Nearly 3,000 people were killed. The 20th anniversary commemoration coincides with the U.S. withdrawal last month from Afghanistan, the country's longest war triggered by 9-11. And now the Taliban are back in control in Afghanistan, just as they were 20 years ago. In this episode of Straight Talk, we talk with Oregon Senator Ron Wyden and get his reflections on 9-11 and the war in Afghanistan. Also, the Senate convenes again Monday after its summer recess. The senator joins us now to update us on what's happening with infrastructure, the fight against climate change and COVID, and the effort to house the homeless. Welcome to my guest, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, joining us from his home in southeast Portland. Welcome back to Straight Talk, Senator. Always nice to have you here.
1: Laurel, good to be with you again.
0: Let's begin with that somber milestone this weekend, 20 years since 9-11. What memories does it bring back for you?
1: it of course was so horrifying you knew that it would just be seared in your brain throughout the rest of your life and of course i was on capitol hill that morning going to the various kinds of meetings you go to and at first you're just in such shock you can't believe that this possibly could happen that uh, adversary would take such extreme measures as to murder, murder our uh, people. And then as it sinks in, and I had long been interested in the intelligence uh, field, the intelligence committee, I just thought about two things. One, after I make sure that family is okay, and we were all flailing about to try to get phone messages through. I said, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to protect our country from something like this again. And that's always been a guiding principle of my work as uh, as Oregon's guy on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence.
0: Senator, do you think we're safer now than we were then?
1: I believe that in a number of areas, we've taken steps, for example, um, preparedness against these kinds of terrorist uh, attacks in this country, those uh, actions have uh, certainly been an improvement on what we had then. But I think there is such a long way to go. And for example, the threats now that come from hacks, from cybersecurity problems, can do just as much damage as what we uh, saw 20 years ago.
0: And those horrific attacks on 9 11 led to the invasion of afghanistan and the hunt for osama bin laden was withdrawing from afghanistan now the right thing to do and what are your thoughts on how the u.s executed that withdrawal
1: the decision had to be made now and let me just kind of walk events uh back i mean the reason that we went to afghanistan and you hear it from oregon soldiers who put it very bluntly they say i was there Because I wanted to make sure there was payback against Al-Qaeda and Bin Laden and all that they did to murder our people. But that was dealt with in a relatively short period of time. I have been voting for years and years now, well over a decade, to withdraw. And the point to me is, and I've been all over the state visiting with, uh, with Oregonians, is that It was very clear, very, very clear that when Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo negotiated the terms of surrender to the Taliban, we were faced with really a choice. Were we going to put hundreds of thousands of troops back? And what I can tell you is that Oregon parents told me all over Oregon, they didn't want their sons and daughters going back. Uh, on a nation-building, never-ending kind of conflict.
0: Well, watching the U.S. leave Afghanistan has been emotional for a lot of the vets you mentioned who serve there. You're especially concerned about their mental health. What, what sort of outreach do you want to see?
1: Well, first, I want Oregonians to know another reason why I feel so strongly about refugees. My parents, both of them, fled Hitler in the 30s. Not all got out. We lost people, tragically, uh, to the Nazis, and I believe deeply that my mom and dad showed what refugees can contribute to the United States. My dad joined up, for example, he was essentially a spy, you know, he was somebody who wrote the propaganda pamphlets that we dropped on the Nazis, making it clear that they had to give up, that the American soldiers were going to prevail. He was involved in actually translating some of the uh, efforts to uh, get um, soldiers uh, to surrender. So I've seen what refugees can do. And I can tell you our phone lines have just been burning up over the last uh, few weeks handling cases. And we're just going to make sure that all our people can get out. And We're also going to stay there uh, on the phones helping uh, folks who were uh, from afghanistan and we're there for our soldiers
0: i want to go back and we'll talk a little bit more about refugees but back to the vets the vets who served there in afghanistan their mental health is something i know you're concerned about friday your meeting at lines for life what kind of outreach do you want to do to the vets
1: we have been working on outreach to the vets for some some time now and trying to make sure that uh, the various kinds of programs around the state are available. We've seen, for example, reports out of D.C. indicating that uh, vets um, contemplating suicide has gone up. What we're going to be doing uh, here over this uh, 9-11 uh, weekend is participating in programs with vets, letting them know that there are resources, that there are compassionate, caring people who are available to help them. We just don't want vets to feel that they have no other choice. We want them to know that there are Oregonians who are gonna be there for them.
0: that is very important. Uh, I wanna go back to the refugees. Uh, Oregon state lawmakers, Representative Khan Fam and State Senator Casey Jama are calling for Oregon's leaders to support the Afghan refugees. Expand the number who can come here. Welcome them to Oregon. You spoke with Representative Pham and Senator Jamma. What was your message to them?
1: My message to them is I think they're absolutely right in trying to make it clear that Oregon is going to be there for those rep- refugees. That's what our values have always been always about. And that's why I mentioned what uh, I feel so, so strongly, I guess is in my DNA because of my parents' um, experience. And what those legislators are doing is right. We need a federal state um, partnership and I've been working closely Uh, with them and our caseworkers have been so we can uh, take people and show that Oregon is part of welcoming those people who were there for us, who are part of assisting our soldiers.
0: I want to show folks at home a tweet that you uh, put out this week about your father and, and about your your family and why you have empathy for the refugees, just so people can look at your Twitter feed and if they want to read more about your dad and, and how he served and, and helped uh, the cause, that they could read that on your Twitter feed. I want to change subjects now, Senator, and, and turn to the pandemic. The COVID crisis is, as you know, really taking a toll on Oregonians and Americans across the country, on Oregon hospitals and health care workers. You recently visited hospitals in Bend, in Medford, and OHSU. How would you describe what you have seen?
1: What I saw was Oregonians, particularly nurses, and physicians, and um, nurse practitioners, so many caring, wonderful people inside those buildings, just going at it around the clock to be there for Oregonians and their families who were facing uh, COVID. And I'll tell you, what I heard from those uh, folks, those nurses, physicians and others, all of them just said, we've got to beat this. We've got to get people vaccinated. Run, go back there and do everything you can to make sure that uh, happens. I'll give you one example, Laurel, that I'm really encouraged by. I met with uh, some Native American uh, tribes. They say that their vaccination rates have been going up and they really credit the tribal elders who got vaccinated and their kids and their grandkids, the ones uh, over uh, 12 are now picking up on on the message. So Oregonians are starting to come up with uh, important ways to ensure the vaccination rate goes up. But when you're seeing nurses and physicians who are working 12, 14, even 16 hour shifts as I did in bend and medford lane county and here in the metro area at ohsu what you ought to do is listen to their message which is to beat this we got to get people vaccinated and so many oregonians have been vaccinated let's figure out a way to make sure that we keep our state and our people safe
0: the tribal elders serving as a great example. I wanted to ask you about the president's announcement on Thursday about sweeping vaccine mandates that will affect an estimated 100 million Americans, including federal healthcare, federal workers, healthcare workers, employers with 100 or more employees. They'd have to get vaccinated or face weekly testing. Do you support that mandate from the president?
1: What I heard over the last week is I made it all across the state is those nurses, Those physicians, those healthcare uh, providers who, by the way, are also concerned about their loved ones, because, you know, if we don't beat the Delta and their kids are quarantined, they've got to figure out how to be there for their kid and their job. They're telling me we've got to do everything it takes to get uh, this vaccination uh, rate issue dealt with, and I support them.
0: Let's talk about the students and how they've been affected by the pandemic. You visited Churchill High School in Eugene, where you had a public meeting with school and Lane County officials. You know, the last 18 months have been especially tough on our youth. What are you hearing from parents and teachers about how our students are doing?
1: I believe that, you know, Oregon parents are, are saying that we have a much more serious uh, challenge with mental health services for young people than we did before the pandemic. It was serious uh, back then, but it's much more uh, serious now. We've had young people with challenges with distance learning. We've had young people in challenging situations with respect to their home life, you know, parents trying to uh, work at home. We have uh, young people who say that uh, uh, they know of people who, young uh, friends who contemplated suicide. So. What I'm going to do with Senator Mike Crapo, the Republican senator from Idaho, we've already made it clear we're going to have a bipartisan package of expanded services for mental health, particularly for young people. And one of the first priorities is what I heard in Lane County, and that is there they don't even have one acute care bed, not one, for a young person who is really battling uh, the ravages of these mental health challenges. I'm going to change that.
0: You go back to DC on Monday, Um, the Senate convenes again. Do you expect that bill to come up anytime soon?
1: Well, our mental health package, I do hope that we'll get some expansion of mental health services in this big uh, budget package. I think, you know, I was able to get uh, a big expansion of Medicaid dollars, a billion uh, specifically to get help for uh, programs in terms of mental health and law enforcement folks working together in situations in the street. It's modeled after Eugene's program called CAHOOTS and I've been able to write the new law that embeds it in Medicaid. And I think we're gonna see a lot of communities across our state working with uh, uh, state government to get those kinds of services. So we'll make some headway in this next budget package, but then Senator Crapo and I are gonna have a much more expansive bill later this year.
0: And a top concern for people all over the region has been and continues to be homelessness. And you have a new bill which aims to make a generational investment to house all people experiencing homelessness within five years, a big goal. It prioritizes children and families. How does your bill propose to do that?
1: We are going to use what are known as housing vouchers so that uh, for example, with our goal, making sure that every child, every homeless child has a roof over their head, floor under their feet, within five years, we want to use this upcoming budget to make a strong start in achieving that. And I got interested in this because our state housing director, Margaret Salazar, was telling me about young people that were sleeping in the woods. Now, you can't learn uh, in school in the morning after you've been out on a cold night in the uh, in Oregon. So we're gonna use these housing vouchers and we're gonna use what's called LIHTC, the Low Income Housing Tax Credit uh, Program to have an expanded public-private partnership to get more housing. And the pictures you're showing is yet another uh, bit of strong evidence why it's so needed.
0: It is, and it sounds like this isn't going to happen overnight, that this is a, a long-term commitment on your part.
1: It is, but the dash legislation that this program I described as part of decent, affordable, safe housing for all lays out a blueprint. It also includes a a particular focus of mine, which is, say, if you have a nurse and a firefighter who are married, they can't afford housing. They're having trouble affording rental housing, let alone buying a home. So we have incentives for middle class folks who uh, have jobs, but with housing prices escalating this way, they too are having trouble getting shelter.
0: Senator, it's time for us to take a break. When we come back, Hurricane Ida and the wildfires in the West, more powerful reminders about the threat posed by the climate crisis, what Congress is doing to meet that challenge. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. Hurricane Ida ravaged parts of the Gulf Coast. Its remnants caused dangerous floods and tornadoes in the Northeast, while wildfires burn in the West. President Biden has said his infrastructure proposals would better prepare the nation for future natural disasters caused by climate change. We welcome back Oregon Senator Ron Wyden to update us on where the infrastructure bills are and how they would help. Once again, welcome to Straight Talk, Senator. Always nice to have you back. Thank you, Laurel. The president has said that he plans to press Congress to take further action on his infrastructure proposals. You're back on Monday, and there's one bill that deals with physical infrastructure, a bipartisan bill that already passed the Senate. And there's another bill, much bigger bill, with Democrat-only support, which focuses more on climate policy and social programs, something called human infrastructure. You told me that you just got off a lengthy phone call with senators talking about the budget. Uh, Can you give us an update on where that bill is and and what it would do?
1: Laurel, what I can tell you as Chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, we have jurisdiction over much of this next package, not just the programs, for example, like the provision I'm writing to lower the prescription drug prices for seniors. We want to lift the restrictions so that Medicare can negotiate to hold down uh, drug prices. And usually uh, in the private sector, they pick up on what Medicare does. There is a, a clear link between physical infrastructure and these human needs. We wanna improve our roads and bridges and our airports. We also know that workers, if they don't have some of these human needs taken care of, like childcare, they won't be able to help get goods moved from point A to point B over those uh, road and infrastructure improvements. They're very much related.
0: And how would the bill fight climate crisis?
1: First, I can tell you If you look at the bootleg fire in rural Oregon, what happened in the South, what happened on the East Coast, climate change is hitting Oregon and our country like a wrecking ball. And I'll give you an example of the linchpin of the climate agenda in this next bill. It's legislation that I authored that came out of the Senate Finance Committee. We take the entire federal tax code and we take the energy provisions and we basically throw them in the dustbin dustbin of history. And then in the future, instead of those 44 provisions that really haven't helped us deal with climate, we'd have one for clean energy, one for clean transportation, and one for energy efficiency. And we will see a substantial reduction in carbon emissions under this, because for the first time we would say that tax cuts are actually tied to reducing carbon. And that'll be the linchpin of the package. And I'm very proud that, in terms of the Finance Committee, it is the most transformative bill the Finance Committee has done with respect to the environment in well over 100 years.
0: Well, there's a lot of concern about how you would pay for that $3.5 trillion plan. Can you give us a little more information on, on the best way to pay for it, in your opinion?
1: You start with the proposition that everybody in America has to pay their fair share. And it is a principle that I always say is not about being against success. We all believe in the opportunity to be successful in the country and enjoy the fruits of success. I want everybody to have a chance to get ahead and you've gotta have a fair system of taxation. Right now, and Oregonians have seen these stories, we've seen billionaires go for years and years paying little or no taxes. That's because the tax code is so broken that a nurse and a firefighter who pay taxes with every single paycheck say, hey, Ron, you're the chairman of that committee that deals with taxes. We're prepared to do our share, make sure the billionaires do theirs.
0: Let's go back to the the bipartisan infrastructure bill that that already passed the Senate. It includes some power grid resiliency provisions that you champion. Here's a clip from a hearing for the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee where you made the case for modernizing that power grid.
1: Your grandfather's power lines are not fit for your grandfather's weather events. And what we have to have is a modern system modern system of power lines to deal with today's uh, weather events.
0: Senator, how would your bill help modernize the power grid? Well,
1: I I voted for that bipartisan bill that specifically had money for uh, power resilience. I believe we'll have more of the lines of the future underground under the legislation that I authored that was in the bipartisan bill. We'd have a public-private partnership between the government and private uh, utilities. They would be looking at trying to uh, ensure that uh, innovation, both with respect to supplies and installation, were part of it. I do think that more of it is going to be underground.
0: Another issue that's been in the news a lot this week about Texas's new abortion restrictions after the Supreme Court did not step in to stop it. A new law went into effect last week in Texas that bans abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. That's well before many women even know they're pregnant. What does this new law potentially mean for abortion laws in other states?
1: It certainly, and make no mistake about it, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, has been leading this crusade against uh, the reproductive rights of women in this country. They're in Roe versus Wade. Basically the choice uh, here is a woman's choice. It's not for government. Everywhere I go across the state, people say, hey, I've got questions about the federal government's role here. Roe versus Wade says that these choices belong to women. Oregon has stronger protections at the state level than do many other states. But there is no question that what's going on in Texas, and this is Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader's big ambition, is to take this kind of crusade against the rights of women's health choices nationwide. And by the way, programs like Planned Parenthood, for example, most of the work that they do has nothing to do with uh, abortion. It involves particularly uh, anti-cancer programs and screening and the like. We shouldn't turn back the clock in this country on women's uh, right to health care.
0: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she'll call for a vote on legislation that would enshrine a woman's right to abortion into federal law. Do you see that happening in the Senate?
1: I'm certainly gonna pull out all the stops to make it happen. I think that we've understood that that decision essentially is based on a straightforward proposition Who should make those really difficult personal decisions? Should it be government or should it be women and women in consultation with their doctors? I stand with the principles of women and their physicians working together under Roe versus Wade, and I'm going to do everything I can to put that uh, decision into federal law.
0: We only have about a minute left for this question, but it's it's an Oregon question. In a bill affecting rural parts of Oregon, you've introduced the River Democracy Act, which would designate nearly 4,700 miles of rivers as wild and scenic across Oregon, about tripling the current number, is faced opposition from rural counties that are concerned about possible restrictions on grazing, timber, harvest, recreational access. Why do you think that bill's needed and what are you telling them about property rights? And you have about 45 seconds, Senator.
1: Well, I, I, I just had an open to everybody virtual town hall to answer the questions. And I pointed to specific lines in the bill that protected private property rights and grazing rights and rights away and that sort of thing. The point is, we Oregonians treasure our rivers and our natural resources. Think about Tom McCall. And we know that recreation is a big economic engine. And I think that when you look at this bill, you see we have a chance to really do a lot more to promote recreation and our natural treasures, and we can be in a position to better fight fire.
0: Senator Wyden, thank you as always for joining us. We want to thank our audience for watching and listening. Remember, you can get Straight Talk as a podcast. Search for KGW Straight Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week. We take a look at the new plan to build an I-5 bridge across the Columbia River. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.